Well, one of the weirdest moments of my life was the night my car was hit by a dog. That's right. I didn't hit the dog. The dog hit me. Okay? So, so first of all, it, it's important to know that the kind of car I was driving was special. It was a 1981 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. It was baby blue, vinyl top, velvet interior, wire spoke wheels. We affectionately called it the Granny Mobile. Wasn't quite what a 17 year old boy was looking for in a car, but hey, got me around. And at the time, like I said, I was about 17 years old and I was driving home from seeing a movie with some of my friends. And on this particular night, we decided to take a little bit of a back way. It was a little bit quicker, a little bit different, uh, a little off the beaten track. And even though it was a little quicker, it was really dark. There were no street lights on this particular way back home. And, and so as we reached a four-way stop, I could see just a little bit in the distance, there was this, uh, this silhouette, if you will, on the side of the road. And I tried to make it out. We couldn't really tell what it was. And so uh, it kind of looked like a tire, maybe just a, honestly like a bag of garbage or something just sitting on the side of the road. So we didn't think much of it, but I wasn't real sure. And so as I started moving, though, we noticed that the object moved as well. And so I slowed down as a way to sort of pass this creature that was standing in the dark. And as we got a little bit closer, we could tell it was a dog. And uh, I, you know, I, I veered off into the other lane to try to get around the dog. But as I got closer to the dog, I realized the dog was standing on all fours. And as I got just to the side of the dog, the dog ran headfirst into the passenger side of my car as hard as he could. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I just killed a dog. But then I was like, I didn't really kill the dog. The dog killed itself. Is that even a thing? Do dogs kill themselves? I don't know what's going on. So I stopped the car. I got out of the car. And I looked behind. And there was the dog standing there looking at me. A little bit shaken up, I think. And as if to say, thanks a lot, man. Like, seriously, this is a bad move on your part. And then, you know, I looked at it for a second. And it turned around and ran into the dark. And I stood there just dumbfounded, like, what just happened? So I get back in the car. And uh, there was this short silence amongst my friends and me, which was followed by eruptive laughter. Because in that moment, you can't do anything but laugh about what just happened. And we looked at each other, and we're like, that was the weirdest thing that a dog just hit your car. Like, you didn't hit the dog, the dog hit you. Well, a week or so later, my dad came into my room. I was in my room doing something. And my dad came into my room, and he had this very concerned look on his face. Scratch that. He had a very upset look on his face. And he asked me, Brian, why is there a huge dent on the side of your car? And I was like, there's no dent in my car? What are you talking about? I mean, I, I can't imagine how a dent would have gotten in my car. And so he's like, well, come with me. He leads me out to the car, and he takes me around to the passenger side of the car. And there, in the middle of the passenger side door, is a huge dent in the granny mobile. And I distinctly remember standing there dumbfounded for a second because remember, this all happened at night. I never looked at the passenger side of my car. I drove on the driver's side. So it had been a week, maybe a week and a half later before this was even discovered. And I'm scratching my head like, how could a huge debt get in this car? And with my dad standing there very upset with me, I just bust out laughing, which my dad did not like very much in that moment. <laughs> he thought this was a little more serious. And then I explained to him, Dad, a dog hit my car. 
Now, as a father, <laughs> when my kids tell me what happened, and they say things like, a dog hit my car, I don't usually believe them. Right? It's a little bit like telling the teacher the dog ate the homework. It's like the same thing, but with your dad. And so he was like, haha, very funny, tell me what really happened. But that's what really happened. A dog hit my car. And you know, in the end, my door uh, remained dented with the car until we sold it many years later. I mean, it was a 1981 Cutlass Sierra. There was no point in fixing it. I mean, we would have had to basically pay somebody to take the car at that point. And I learned a few things from this experience. The first thing is this, that dogs are awesome, but they aren't always smart. Two, Oldsmobiles are horrible cars. And three is if you run into something head on, you can make a huge dent. <laughs> and it's that third thing, that third thing that I'm really focused on as we move forward as a church. There's something in that statement that if you run into something head on, you can make a big dent that applies directly to who we are as a church. You see, we, the church, are called to make a dent. A uh, big dent, the, the kind of dent where our father walks around and looks at the dent and is astonished by its size. And the question is, how do we do that? How do we be a church that makes a head-on huge dent? How can we have the kind of impact that leaves a noticeable dent in our world? Well, we are in the final week of the series called We Are Genesis. And I, I mentioned earlier, we've been looking at where God is leading us as a church and, and these four mission priorities for our church. But we are on a mission. Jesus gives us this mission to go and make disciples of all the world that we would baptize them, lead them into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and that that is our mission as a church. And so as we think about what does that mean for us uniquely as Genesis, we come up with these four mission priorities, these things that if we do nothing else, we're going to do these things. We're going to develop followers of Jesus, no matter where you might be on that spectrum. We're going to connect people with others because we're better together, because community is important. And last week we talked about we are going to invest in the next generation because we don't want to be a church in 50 years that looks around and doesn't see the generation that was growing up right in front of our eyes. Mm -hmm. If you miss any of those, you can go online, you can watch them. I encourage you to do that, and the end goal is that we would become, what we've been saying, we become a thriving community of changed lives, changing lives. Changed lives, changing lives. Say that with me, ready? Changed lives, changing lives. I've said to you, if you want to mock me, I'm okay with that, as long as you mock me saying those words. Because that means you're getting it. My greatest pleasure would be to walk in the lobby and have one of our leadership team members going, I get it, change lives, change lives. I'd be like, yes, finally, they're getting it. But here's the deal. To do this, we have got to be really focused. You cannot make a huge dent in the world unless you are focused. And if you want, if our four mission priorities sort of split up into two categories. That change lives piece is really the following Jesus and connecting others or with others. And then the changing lives really fits into those investing in the next generation and what we're going to talk about today, impacting 
the world. That's who we want to be. It is a focused effort on our part to make a dent in the world. There's one thing I know about Jesus and the first church. It is that they desire to make a huge dent in the world. But they did it in a way that I think is useful for us as we move forward. And so let's start with Jesus, okay? I just want to start with Jesus because that's a great place to start no matter what church you're in or what you're doing. Jesus. I want to just show you how focused Jesus is and the kind of dent that he wants to see happen in the world. And we're going to go to Luke 15. Okay, Luke 15, uh, if you want, you can follow along on the screens. There's in your programs. You can download the version app. Uh, lots of ways to follow along. Uh, but like I said, everything will be on the screens if you want to do it that way. So in Luke chapter 15, this is like a biblical uh, passage that, you know, in the church is cited over and over and over and over and over again. And the reason is, is that Jesus, through the telling of these stories, reveals so much about who God is and the kind of impact he wants to make in the world. And so Jesus tells a story that gives us a sneak peek into the kind of impact he wishes to have. And this is what he says in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 1. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners, that would be us, by the way, often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them, how dare you. So Jesus told them the story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and have strayed away. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I imagine that in this, this, this moment in history where Jesus is sitting with these notorious sinners, people like you and me, and he's eating this meal, and the Pharisees come and they confront him about this, that Jesus could have said, you know what, all right, let me just, let me just finish dinner, here and then, you know, I'll come and I'll hang out with you because, you know, I want to be a nice guy. And I, you know, I feel like you guys need some time with me. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Right? He makes it clear I am here to make an impact, and it looks like this. It looks like this. It looks like the shepherd who goes for the one and leaves the 99. I am not so concerned about what you think, Pharisees, because I have a focused impact to make in this world. That's what I call it. It's a focused impact that Jesus wants to make. Focused impact is when you are willing to set aside good things for better things. Right? Jesus meeting with the Pharisees, that, that actually could have been a good thing. But him meeting with the group of notorious sinners was the better thing. Because Jesus was focused on the one. He had focused impact in mind. And we see this with the first church as well. It doesn't end with Jesus. As the church begins to grow in the first century, the Jewish religious leaders, these same people that were threatening Jesus, they feel threatened, and because of that, they begin to imprison and execute people who call themselves 
Christians. There's this huge wave of persecution that goes throughout the city of Jerusalem. And it, ta- it talks about this in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. It says, a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Now, at this point, I think the religious elite in Jerusalem felt like they were victorious. We, we got them out of our city. They're spread all about. There's no way that this church thing can continue to have the same impact they've been having. No longer would they be able to continue to make the dent that we're trying to make. But that just isn't the case. In fact, it totally backfires on the religious elite. Look at what it says in verse 4. As they're scattered throughout the, the known areas in Judea, it says this, the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. And again, it, there was a focused impact. They had a one-track mind about what they were called to do as the church. And it didn't matter where they were. It didn't matter who they were. They were called to make a dent in the world, and they were making a focused effort to do so, no matter where they ended up. You know, Jesus said to them before he ascended to heaven, he said, and you will be my witnesses telling, me, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That that is a focused impact. And that focused impact began with Jesus, and then it would be transferred to the church, and it would be taken into their backyards, and into their communities, and into the rest of the world. We want to have an impact on the world, don't we? I mean, I, I don't know anybody in this world, in their right mind, who would say, I just don't really care if I have any impact in anybody's life. <laughs> Even if you're not a Christian, we want our lives to mean something. We want our lives to make some sort of impact in this world. When we die, we don't want people to say, you know what, didn't really mean anything. They, they didn't really do anything. What we want is we want people to say, you know what, they made an impact in my life. They had an impact in my life. And we as a church, we want to make a dent. We want to make a big dent. But to do that means we need to be focused. We need a zeroed-in, laser-like focus. We need to have that same focused impact that Jesus had, that the first church had. And to do that... We are using, as a church, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 is our model. Okay, so Jesus, he lets the first followers know that his plan for the impact that the church is to make, it starts in Jerusalem, it spans out to Judea, and then it goes to the ends of the earth. And he's referencing these three areas that we live our lives and that the church ought to live its life if it's to make an impact. The church ought to make a focused impact both locally, regionally, and globally. Locally, regionally, and globally. It is vital to the health and well-being of every church that they discover what a focused impact looks like for them in those three areas. What does it look like for us to have a local impact? What does it look like for us to have a regional impact? What does it look like for us to have a global impact? That was the mission of the first church. It's the same mission that we have 
today. So let's talk about that. As a church, we want to impact the world. We want to make a dent. So how do we do that? How do we go about doing that? Well, let's break it down into these three categories. Let's start with locally. How do we do that on a local level? Well, one of the ways that you can do this is by getting on a team. Okay? Getting on a team. Here's one of the simplest ways that you can begin to help our church make an impact on a local level. As a local church, we are fully supported by people who want to make an impact by using their gifts. Right now, we have three, uh, four, including our administrative pastors on staff. Two of us are full-time, one of us is part-time. And that's it. That's it. That's all we have. Our church is run. The fuel of our church, the engine of our church, is fueled by the people of the church saying, I want to have an impact in this local community, and I'm going to use my gifts to help make that happen. I'm going to serve in whatever way possible. So when you walked in here today, there were people standing at the door. It wasn't me. It wasn't our staff. It was people who love other people, who want to let them know we love you, we're glad you're here. When you came in, people handed you a piece of paper. It wasn't me. When you dropped your kids off, it wasn't me. Right? Your kids right there, they're not with me. And you should be glad about that. <laughs> right? If you come on Wednesday nights and there's a student ministry, it's not me. Right? It's one of our pastors and many leaders. We've got groups that are happening. We're going to invite you to be a part of groups. People are leading those groups. It's not me. It is a group of people who've decided we want to have an impact. And one of the greatest resources we have to do that is each other. We can use what we know how to do to impact the world. Right? So we are encouraging you, everyone in this church, to be on a team. We have tech, a tech team. We have a care team. We have a Genesis Kids team. We've got a worship team. We've got, I mean, we've got a 12-year-old playing drums right now. Like, that's a kid who's deciding, I'm going to use my kids for an impact, right? Well, listen, if you're doing nothing in this church and a 12-year-old is playing the drums, get it, let's go, you know? Let's go. If he can do it, you certainly can do it. You've got gifts that our church needs and this local community needs. And sitting in the chairs and watching everyone else doing it is not helping us make a dent. It's not helping us make a dent. There's, we, we have so many opportunities for you to get on a team. And you know what? We are working to make that as easy as possible for you too. We are. So getting on a team. That's, that's the first thing you can do on a local level. Get on a team. The second thing that we can do is invite. Invite. At the beginning of this series, I mentioned that I want all of you to write down three names of people that you know that you could invite to church in the coming months. To pray about that, you know, to talk with them about it. This is still the most effective way that a person comes to know Jesus. There are statistics all over the place about how people come to be a part of the church, how they come to know who Jesus is. And by far, the number one way that it happens is because somebody invited them. Somebody invited them. According to Tom Rainer, 82% of people who don't go to church have said they would likely attend if they were simply invited. 82%. But you know what? Only 21% of us are even invited to of course, you don't have to have a church you want. You gotta, here's the thing. You've got to have a church that you want to invite somebody to. Okay? I've been to churches before, and I'll be honest. I don't know if I'd want to go there, and I certainly don't know if I'd want to invite my friends there. 
We don't want to be that kind of church. We want to be the kind of church you would want to invite your friends, your family members, your co-workers to. We work really hard to make sure that this experience on a Sunday morning is something you would say, you know what, I would bring my friend to that. I, I want to bring my friend to that. And so we are, we are charging after this, saying, if we did this together, not only would we grow as a church, but the kingdom of God would grow. That the, the local church would begin to make an impact in the world and in the lives of other people. Get on a team, invite somebody. And then last but not least, giving. As a local church, here's the deal. Our resources are always limited, both manpower and financially. Again, I don't fund this whole thing. I couldn't possibly do that. I do what I can, but I don't do all of it. How this place, how the lights stay on, how we even have church on a Sunday morning is because people in our church have decided, I want this church to have an impact, and so I'm going to give to what God is doing in and through. Now, I don't know where you are with that. And listen, this is not me saying, shame on you if you don't give. Okay? Everybody's in a different place with this. But here's what I want to challenge you with. Maybe you've never given before, but you really want our church to have an impact. Just start somewhere. You know, start small and be consistent with it. Maybe it's every week, maybe it's every month. I don't know. Maybe you have been giving, but you know you have not been giving what you know you ought to or that you know you could. And that you want our church to have an impact and that you could give a little bit more to what God is doing in and through this. And let me just say this again because people get weirded out and understand. If you give more money, I don't get paid anymore. I don't get any more money. If somebody came here and gave $9 million, you know how many dollars I would see of that personally? Zero. Okay, so this isn't about me making more money. Trust me, if I wanted to make more money, I would not do this. This is about us collectively deciding we want to have an impact in the world. And it is going to take all of us, our resources, our gifts to do it. We, we can't just sit idly by and hope someone else will do it for us. Okay. Get off that soapbox. <laughs> Get on the team. Start inviting somebody. Start giving. Just start giving something. Because it's not, it's not just for us as a church. It's also for you. Trust me. Being generous with your time and your resources and your finances is a blessing not just to the church but to you also. We want to have an impact locally, and we want to be focused, which means we're not going to do everything, but we're going to do these things really, really well. We're going to do whatever we can to get our ministries operating at the full capacity because people are using their gifts. We're going to invite our friends because we love them. We want them to know Jesus, and we're going to give so that this church can have an impact. Okay. Regionally. We've really done, historically, there's been one thing as a church that we've done, and that is our community center. If you've been here any length of time, you know that that's been kind of in flux. We've been trying to figure that out. But it's not something we're giving up on. We, we believe that God's placed us here for a specific purpose, and that the original vision of our church was to have this piece of it. We have this partnership with the Brock Teen Center. We're just trying to figure some of that out. But we've got some things going on that we really want to focus on. As a community center, or the community center aspect of us, we're not going to do everything. But we're going to do a few things really well. Or at least we're going to attempt to. 
The first of those is powwow. Many of you are a part of powwow. Keith is here somewhere. I talked to him. It's starting to get in November. Powwow is something that happens once a month right in our parking lot. We hand out food for $10 to anybody who wants it. Produce, 60 pounds of produce for $10. We see anywhere between 200 and 300 people walk through the, the front part of our church, come inside, maybe get some uh, water or whatever, and we want to serve them in that way. Uh, we do have career resources available here. Uh, we have contacts of people who will help people get connected to whatever job career path they need to get on. Um, we have The Rock, the teenage center right across the hall here that we partner with. Every day there's somewhere between 50 and 100 kids who come to our church, who come to the teen center, who take lessons, who hang out, and we're still trying to figure out how do we as a church partner with you. Coming up in a few weeks, they're doing their annual Proof is in the Pudding uh, auditions and concerts that are going to be happening in this space. So all this is going to change again, which is okay because we want to partner with that. And we're being asked as a church to provide different services during that. We're going to make food. We're going to sell food. We're going to do different things to partner with this, the, the Solid Rock Teen Center and, and to let this region that we live in know that we love them and we want to serve now, and I don't know if you know this either, but we rent out our facility on a weekly basis. We let organizations and different places come in here and use our space at a very discounted rate. Uh, we've got a group that meets almost every Wednesday, I think, in room one. Uh, this space gets rented out because we want the community to know that we're available to them, that we, we love them, we want to serve them. And I'll be honest, I, you know, when I walked in, We've been through a lot of transition. The community center has been kind of in flux. And we're starting to put together the pieces that we need to do to help make that be what we think it could be long term. It doesn't mean that it's going to be this amazing community center tomorrow, but we are moving forward with it. We don't want to just be another church in the sense that we have all this space and facility and resources that we don't use to help the community around us. The second thing that we do and are going to continue to do on a regional basis is partnering with Indian Bend Elementary. So last year, we met with the, uh, the, the leadership at Indian Bend. Indian Bend is just right over here on Thunderbird. And we talked to them about how could we potentially partner with you to serve this community in and through this school. And so we got connected with a, another organization called School Connect that does different things with schools. And for the first time ever, the schools are really opening their doors to allow churches to come in and actually serve the families and the students of the, of the school. And so we're taking advantage of that. Now, last year, we did a few things. This year, with the help of some leaders, we are trying to do even more. We want this to be a long-term relationship that we can have, not just with the school, but with the families that are a part of it. Right, So the one thing that we're doing on October 20th, you can write this down, is we're doing it our next Love Our Schools Day. This happens about three to four times a year where different organizations go to schools throughout the area and they serve them. Uh, the last time we did, we cleaned stuff out, we painted, we, we did their landscaping. And the reality is ch uh, schools are much like churches. Funding is low, resources are low. And so a church willing to come in and get their hands dirty a little bit is a huge help to what they're doing. Uh, in, in a couple weeks, I'm gonna show you a video from one of the leaders there and a few of the students who have reported what our small things in their little school has done to make a difference in their education and in their community at the school. 
We can make a difference. We can make a focused impact. We can make a dent in our regional community right here around us simply by partnering with the school who will let us come in and do just about anything we want to help them. And those are really, right now, the two things we're focusing on. There's a lot of other things we could be doing, but we're focusing on those two things, the community center and do better. And then last but not least, globally. I know this is a lot of information, but you need to know this because it's exciting and we need to know it together. Globally, we, we have done a number of things over the years. But there are two things that, uh, as we've talked as a staff, we've prayed, that we really want to invest in in the coming years. Okay? It's not nine things. It's two things. The first is that we have missionaries that are serving all over the place. We've got at least two right now. We're looking at adding a third. One's in France. One's in Colombia. We're going to be having one of the missionaries here in November to tell you a little bit more about what they're doing. We support their efforts. Did you know that? That when you give money to our church, a portion of that goes to support overseas efforts in our global world to help other people know who Jesus is and have an impact. We support missionaries. The second thing that we're going to get involved with, and it's not going to be tomorrow, but it's going to be over the coming year, is what's called Covenant Kids Congo. I think in the past we've done a couple of things with Covenant Kids, but we're going to get more involved. And here's what Covenant Kids Congo is. How many of you know of World Vision? Raise your hand. Have you heard of World Vision? Okay, great organization. They are all throughout the world helping to rid the world of poverty and uh, bring communities Back to, uh, back to life, essentially, through clean water, and education, and medicinal means. And so we, as a denomination, not just a church, but as a denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church, what we're a part of, has partnered with World Vision and is doing amazing things in the country of Congo to renovate villages throughout the entire country. If you know anything about Congo, over the last 25 years, it has been in absolute disarray. Civil war, genocide, you name it, disease, they're going through it. And so we as a denomination have decided we're going to make an impact. We're going to make a dent. And so hundreds of, the, of covenant churches just like ours are committed to being a part of that effort. And we want to do the same. We want to be a part of that. We want to do something that doesn't let us forget that there is a world out there, seven and a half billion people who are in need of the same same resources, the same love, and the same faith that we have. That is so critical and essential. And it's what Jesus said he wanted, to go to the ends of the earth. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of this is in its infancy. right? We haven't figured all of this out. What we have figured out is that this is where we feel God is leading us to go. And we want to do that together as a church. We believe that if we were to do these things at the greatest level that we could, that we would make a big dent locally, regionally, and globally. In five years, my hope is that we look back on this time and we think, look at what God did through the focused impact that he had for us. And here's the thing. I know this can be a lot to digest. It's like, wow, that's a, I don't even know where to start. So let me just give you a place to start. Okay? I want you to start with three things. Okay? I, can't, I can't do four things. You ever, I don't know why that is. I can do three things. You give me a fourth, and then I don't do any of them. I don't know why that is. 
But I can do three things. So here's the three things I want you to consider doing. The first thing is this. Get on a team. Get on a team. If you like to make coffee, go out there and tell me you want to make coffee. It's really fun. You get all the coffee you want. If you want to hang out with kids, if we desperately need people who want to hang out with kids, because you know what? I don't know if you've looked around, but there's like 45 kids all of a sudden in our church. And there's people in our church who are making more babies. So here's the deal. We need people to help love these kids, help invest in this next generation. They need you. Okay? If you have any level of love for kids, let us know. Get on a team. Get back there. Hang out with them. It will be well worth your time. Get on a team. We need tech team people. If you have musical skills, we'll be the judge of that. If you have music <laughs> skills, um, we'd love to have you up here. If you want to you know, do behind-the-scenes stuff, we'd love that. If you love to care for people, we'd love that. Get on a team. Take that kind of card out. Find one of those ministries, and we will get you started. If you're not committing for life, just try something, okay? That's number one. Number two, I want as many people as possible to serve at Lower Schools Day on October 20th. It's a Saturday. It's in the morning. It runs from about 9 to noon. We're going to serve. We're going to get our hands dirty. We're going to get a little sweaty, a little dirty. I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do yet. There's going to be different projects. And then we're all going to come back here. We're going to hang out. We're going to have a meal together. It's going to be a great time. But I want us collectively as a church to start really making an impact in and through that school. Serve a lover school today. And last but not least, I want you to consider inviting someone to iQuit. Now, you're like, what's iQuit? I'm going to talk about that in a minute. That's our next series, which starts next week. Okay? It's, a, it's going to be a great series. It's going to be a great opportunity for you to invite somebody who maybe doesn't go to church very often or never goes to church. That would be awesome. We would love that. Three things. That's it. Three things. Get on the team. Sign up for Love Our Schools Day when that comes around and invite someone to our church. If we, just think about it, if we collectively just did those three things, what might happen? That'd be a great starting point, wouldn't it? For us to start making an impact in our world. And here's the deal. I'll go back to it. Making a dent, a big dent, requires focused impact. We can't do everything, but we can do some things really, really well, we intend to be focused in these areas. And I believe that if we come together as a church and focus our energies in those areas, I think we're going to be astonished at the dent that God creates in and through us. Let me pray.